This is CliffCentral.com. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Disrupt with Mpumintlapo. We are powered by T-Systems South Africa. On this show, we focus on immersive disruption and have uh, conversations with industry leaders on emerging trends around business, around technology, um, and really with our guests, we explore the journey of how they have become game changers and how they continue to disrupt um, the world that we live in today. Um, my guest on today's show, uh, Nico, welcome. Nico, the co-founder of IoT.next. Nico Stein, how are you? Very well, thank you, Mprimi. It's well, lovely being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. Um, very quickly, IoT.next, and you were clear that it's .next and not just next. Um, th- a little bit about the company? Um, so the company really is, uh, we're pretty young. Uh, we were founded at the end of 2015. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so we... Um, you know, in, in tech speak, I suppose we termed as a startup. However, we have commercialized. So we, we, we on the go. Um, and really, uh, our focus is around the Internet of Things and this whole connected world that we now live in and that we're evolving into. Yes. Um, and that's really what we've, uh, that what, that's what we kind of keep ourselves busy with. Yeah. The, the IoT or Internet of Things is a topic that comes up most of the time, um, on the show in different guises, but, if I can maybe just say, what is Internet of Things for the layman? Okay, so um, so for the layman, if if we have a look at what what it, it's sort of termed as or how it was defined, it really talks about a connected world. Okay, so it talks about connected um, connected devices and a connected internet, so to speak. Okay, but if we if we if we distill it and we break it down a little bit, um, it really talks more to an environment where not only we're connected, but we become smart about it. So if we have a look at a, uh, and I liken it just to make it simple, to a smart smart home type okay. of environment, um, you've got technology that allows you to control a whole lot of things within your in your home. Um, but with that currently, there's a whole lot of challenges, a lot of proprietary sort of systems. Um, not everything's integrated. Um, if you buy something new that's not part of the stack, you know, then you struggle to connect it yeah. and all of that type of stuff. Um, now, essentially, we've developed sort of home automation, but more, but at a commercial industrial level. And really what we've addressed is those challenges of interconnectivity. Um, that, you know, the big value that we see in the world now, <clears throat> everyone's talking about exponential technology yes. and digital disruption. What is that? So Internet of Things gets bandied around and people talk around, you know, IoT and all of this type of stuff. But really it talks, if, if you really break it down to its baseline level, it's about having different devices, things, people, um, connected. And, okay. and being able to communicate. But are, are we not already connected? I mean, if I look at myself, I'm connected to my phone and I can Bluetooth yeah. my car, et cetera, et cetera. So this obviously speaks to a greater level of connectivity. Um, yeah. Can you just delve into that a little bit just to give it more context? Yeah. So I think that's, that's a very good point you make. And I think where we see true disruption taking place uh, with these exponential technologies is the fact that we get a deeper level, a deeper level, first of all, of understanding in terms of being able to connect deeper into, um, into our systems and into our environment, but more importantly, across the value chain. Okay. So if you have a look at any sort of enterprise business, a lot of the applications that you're talking about right there are almost point-to-point applications. So it's okay. an application, right? Yes. And it speaks to a specific device or a specific function. Yes. Now, when we have a look at a 
truly integrated sort of ecosystem. It's really being able to have a horizontal integration between all of these subsystems. Okay. And understanding that when something goes wrong somewhere in the ecosystem, being able to automatically, non-discretionally communicate that, first of all, to all the other subsystems, and then through a layer of higher up, a, a layer of artificial intelligence, cognitive analytics, algorithmic type of calculations, being able to recalibrate back into the ecosystem. Okay. So so basically it's it's about um I guess um everything being connected to everything else. Effectively. Yes. And being able but in a simple way that is not specific to uh, one device or one application or one system that they can talk to each other. Quite right. So, so if we, if we look at IoT or Internet of Things, the key is getting stuff connected. But re- really the, the, the value that we see through having, so having something connected is great. Yes. But when it becomes smart, that's when we actually become, we, we see the value. Okay. So, and it becomes smart when we're able to have it interact with other subsystems or other devices. And, and really the key to this, the future of this and the speed at which we are able to integrate has all got to do with being able to connect into those devices. And therefore, this age of disruption, this digital 4.0, um, is really driven by the, the, by IoT. It really is the underpin. So, mm-hmm. so it's great that we've got big data and it's great that we have all of this other fantastic technology that once it gets the data can become really predictive and cognitive. But the key is the underpin to all of this is we have to connect and we can't just be using new technology. We need to acknowledge the fact that we have a whole lot of old technology, legacy technology that resides within our world. Okay. And how do we actually get that stuff onto it as well? Because otherwise you've only got half the puzzle. Okay. And so if I were to maybe extrapolate it forward, probably at some stage in the game, the term IoT will fall away because connectivity in itself will just be common course. Yeah. So, so I guess the question being, um, why the need to have to create a term for this connectivity, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So again, I think um, where we see this technology going um, is really, it's, it's a, you know, a number of technologies, a number of phenomenon that come together that give us this smarter world. And okay. that's really changing. They talk about the industrial, the fourth industrial revolution. So, so within that industrial revolution, there are a number of subsets that are fundamental to actually making it happen. Yes. And the Internet of Things or IoT. So in other words, having an, an, an item that's IoT enabled, what yes. does that mean? It means that it has the capability to connect. It has the capability to send and receive data back into it. And more importantly, it has the ability to communicate with other devices. So I, I, you know, moving forward, I think it becomes, in fact, it becomes more prolific. Yes. And how did you get into the space? Yeah. So that's, uh, that's also quite interesting as much as, uh, you know, and often people ask me this. So it really wasn't sort of a moment of genius where we decided, listen, this is something uh, that we just need to do. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Um, but it, it really was more an evolution. We got involved in a, in a project about three and a half years ago. And really that project uh, required us to, um, integrate multiple subsystems. So really what had happened is a high high grade sort of security environment. Okay. And they'd purchased already purchased sixteen state of the art technologies. Different technologies. But the problem that they had is none of this technology really wanted to integrate. Ah. Uh, and uh, that's really where we got involved. 
obviously initially we thought it would be really easy like a <laughs> six month stint you yes. know we'll just quickly make all the stuff and then we just realized listen it's just really arduous and you know a lot of your problem problems are is, is your bigger brands are very much driven sort of by self-interest or ego um, so I need to be careful in terms of, of, of what I'm saying, but, uh-huh. but, but obviously in, in, with regard to that, one of the biggest challenges that you have is that people don't want to share information. And certainly three and a half years ago, people weren't very keen to share integration layers and APIs and so forth. Okay. Um, so we really, you know, um, battled with that. And in that process, we, we realized that there's got to be an easier way to actually do this. Um, we, we actually took a view and we said, surely, over the next um, uh, while, you know, there's got to be a requirement um, for us to to make this easier. Um, there has to be a way that we can, you know, facilitate this process better. And it was really through that necessity um, that we were faced with, uh, or a diversity or, or, or a difficulty that we had, that we actually then went ahead and and started thinking along these lines. Um, and and that's really where we. We, you know, during 2015, we realized, listen, we're onto something here. Okay. We need to make it happen. And and that's where the, the product Raptor came from. Is that correct? Yes. So um, that is exactly that. So Raptor, uh, and we've spoke about it earlier before yes. the show. So, yes. I mean, there's two components to what we do. And I think that also makes us pretty unique. So you have a lot of players out in the market developing a gateway for their sensors. Uh, what we re- and what is a gateway? So you might ask. So maybe we can just explain yes, uh, to, yes. to the listeners. Really, what a gateway does? It's something that sits very near to the edge. And when we, the edge is really the environment where these sensors or machines are deployed. And the reason why we need this gateway is so that it can help us in terms of first of all connecting into those third-party devices secondly filter the data manage the data curate and aggregate the data so you hear a lot of talk around big data and how this big data is going to you know how are we going to actually manage all of this big data so if you look at where we are today part of the problem that we we have is that we've maybe got six million uh, six billion um, smart devices deployed yes. onto the network globally uh, and then and the networks as you um, will experience uh, you know we struggle with the network sometimes yes. now imagine we've deployed billions in fact trillions of devices onto the same network and which is where we headed that's exactly where we're headed so the key to to this technology being able to really function is you need to be able to have more intelligence at the edge and part of what Raptor does is a lot of the data that we're generating, we don't actually need in the cloud. You know, so if, if for instance, we're monitoring a, a room's temperature and it's running within the threshold of you know, 19 and 21 degrees, do I need to be reporting that into the cloud uh, every, you know, 100 milliseconds? No, I really only need to be pushing through the events that are changing my state of normal. Yes. And really that's the key to our Raptor technology. First of all, it has the ability to, it's sort of the UN of gateways, all right? Yes. It's this translation tool. It talks to everything that you have potentially deployed into your edge. And very, very importantly, I mean, you know, we've been at a number of these conferences um, uh, over the last 18 months, and they talk about smart sensors and they talk about big data and they talk about all the, you know, the age of the algorithm. Um, but the reality is, you know, we're going to live in a non-standard, non-protocol standard environment for quite some time. In the IoT space. 
in our world. In our world. Yeah. So there's no standardization around protocols, right? There's no standardization to say that, listen, everything that we develop in electronics needs to talk the following language. You know, everyone's, you know, if you have a look at the industrial environment, PLC environment, all of these devices that are being deployed have a different method of, of communicating. So, and, and not only the future, right? So the new technologies are starting to migrate towards potentially some standardized protocol, but what about all the existing stuff? So, so in industrial environments, you'll see technology, people have made huge investment over the last five or 10 years in process automation type technologies, et cetera. Yes. And those technologies are good for another 20 to 30 years. So to go in there and I'll say, listen, we've got something that's really great. It's going to connect. It's connected, but we have to rip and replace all your technology. It becomes inhibitive. Okay. Um, so really part of what we've developed is this mechanism that allows for rapid digital enablement. Okay. Um, so let me just let's, – let's talk about it from the context of, of, a, of a business leader. Um, you know, someone is sitting and they've got a lot of information. They're inundated with information, whether it's around security and cyber threats, and or it's about the fourth industrial revolution that we talk about, and in, and inevitably IoT comes up. You know, I can imagine in many cases people sit there and say, "What does it mean for me yep. to get out of me in my business today, or in terms of how it enables my business differently?" Can you maybe talk to even if you use some industry examples, but just to say. How can someone take on the IoT opportunity as a business leader and look at it differently in terms of how it could enable them? Cool. Uh, so, so, again, I think you're quite right. I think people sort of get confused with with all of these terminologies and yeah. all the different technology that's out there. So let's understand that there's this age of of disruption, this industrial revolution. And, and what is driving it? Connectivity. Okay. And smart devices. These are actually the things that are, are and our ability to to take data and transform it into information almost in a real time basis. So remember, previously we we received huge amounts of data, but that data seldomly really became information driven sort of decision making for us. We would always be managing uh reactively. Okay. So it took time to process the data to yep. get the in to, to, to get the intelligence out of it and to use it. Exactly. So, okay. so your biggest problem was first of all you had data overload, too much of unnecessary data, and more importantly, um, latency. So there's always been latency in the system because I'm getting all of these different data sources sending me information. I'm having to get it into some repository where we now have to try and translate it and crunch it through a whole lot of numbers then we put it into our financial systems and and then you know through that that a lot of that data that's coming through is through manual input okay now where we're moving in in digital now is that it's digital it's non-discretional so that data that we're getting is first of all very uh, integrous so we know that it's good data okay but more import- importantly it's relevant so we've already built the business rules to say that listen in this environment, so let's take, for instance, in a mining environment, um, you have huge, heavy industrial sort of uh, uh, stuff happening within that environment. Uh, and, yes, one of the things that we want to do is be able to manage and connect into vehicles. Potentially, they become autonomous, um, and now we can become predictive in terms of the maintenance, right? Okay. So that's great, and that certainly will drive um, some productivity into that sector. But having said that, if we look at the value chain, in other words, what raw material is coming out of the pit? 
How much of that raw material is being processed and beneficiated? What is the, what is actually happening in that beneficiation plant? How far is it away from maintenance? You know, and how will that affect us when in six weeks, so if we know that we're going to have a breakdown within six weeks and yes. we're able to get the parts and we're able to service that, what is it that we can do today knowing that to the rest of the value chain to calibrate it so that there's minimum disruption to our business? And now, let me latch onto that analogy, right, or that example you've given. Give me a sense of where IoT devices play a role just within that example you've given. Okay, so in that entire value chain, from the the plant that's bringing out the um, the raw material, okay. moving across the weightometers into the beneficiation where they're actually washing the the the, the material, okay. to the actual drone technology that's flying over the stockpiles to actually see how much stock we have uh, available uh, and being able to understand how much of that stock's moving through the uh, the way bridges. Every single one of those points is a data point, right? So we have to have technology that allows us to assimilate all of that data, all right, into our platform in a near or in a real time or near real time basis. Okay. And then have on top of that the algorithm or the forecast or the plan. So it talks into the plan. So so what we see in business, we see amazing planning and forecasting tools, right? Okay. But the reality is things change and they change rapidly on the ground and Often we only find out a month later, once we get the financial report, right, or a quarter later. What this technology now does for us, it allows, because we're getting real live information from all of these devices, from the trucks and the conveyor belts, et cetera, et cetera, we are now able to almost on a real-time basis see where we're trending. If we continue on this basis, are we going to be achieving? So we're forecasting, but on based on live information that we're receiving. So we become a lot more accurate and predictive in terms of, of where we're moving or, or predictable. And what does that do? That translates into being more competitive, but more importantly, I believe, being able to service our customers. Okay. And, and so I'm seeing there, um, I guess that's a more industrial type of a, a scenario. How about a more customer facing environment so financial services or smart buildings let's talk about smart buildings so everyone talks about smart buildings right um and we've had a look at a number of the technologies that are out there so you've got some really sophisticated um bms type applications so what are those building management systems okay yeah um but really what you want to do is you want to get into an environment where we're not just monitoring the room temperature and you know the hvac system and so forth you need access control CCTV. We all, you know, we all have the same challenge when we arrive at a building, you know, having to fill in a form, having to f- try and phone someone to confirm that we are there. Um, then maintenance needs to be told that, listen, the guys are coming. Please get the room clean. Um, catering needs to be let, you know, told that, listen, you know, the guys are coming. So bring the coffee, et cetera, et cetera. So if we can actually get all of those different components, to actually talk into a specific pla- into a single platform, we can become very intelligent how we actually organize and manage that process yeah. to, be, to make it more seamless. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know when you're talking about the stuff, I'm I'm kind of asking myself, is are these nice to haves if you get what I'm saying, or yeah. are are these things that are going to fundamentally change the way we work, you know, and create yeah. and create a new uh, value stream? So. Yeah. I guess maybe the the 
the line of conversation for me is that, you know, given that we, we're living on an African continent with many challenges, but with more opportunities than challenges, actually, um, how does IoT create a different type of opportunity landscape okay. um, for, for real stuff, if you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So I think, again, um, first of all, I think the key to this technology, implementing it, it needs to make business sense, right? Okay. So just having stuff connected and you can see it on a dashboard or your smartphone. I mean, that's, that's cool. But that's cool. Yeah. But does it bring value? No. So the key is you have to understand where the business value driver sits. And and there's a lot of that in our businesses. These sort of black, we, we talk about black holes. Okay. Mm. So where does the black hole reside within your business? And And that black hole is almost when we look at our reporting that we're getting out of the system, we can see that, listen, something's not quite the way that it should be in that part of our business, but we're not entirely sure what it is. All right, so that that's the first thing. So so a lot of what we do is not to have a technology discussion with customers. We have a strategic discussion. So where do you need to move your business? How do you actually ensure that you don't become disrupted? But more importantly, how do you make sure that you continue doing what you're doing, but doing it better? Okay. And I think that for me talks to Africa. Uh, and if we have a look at the African continent, I mean, there's, we all talk about, everyone talks about the massive opportunity that resides within Africa. But the reality is we're going to have to become more competitive, certainly in terms of the international markets. And we've seen that uh, the mining houses, for instance, in Australia and Canada have become highly, highly sophisticated in certain areas. Yes. And what has that done? That's driven down the uh, cost per ton for extraction, and that's put the entire commodity uh, enterprise under under huge amounts of pressure, especially from an African perspective. So from that point of view, we need to make sure that we are staying abreast of what is happening um, out there. But more importantly, I think we need to harness this technology to enable our people to do the job better, more productively, more efficiently. Okay. And and your platform is is geared for that? Well, so the Raptor platform? Yes, certainly. So uh, if we, if we take what we've developed around, um, Raptor, our gateway, and then our commander, which is our software, uh, layer. So, so within our software platform, you know, we have a, a very, um, very powerful visualization tool that we've developed because I think that for, for all of us, pictures, pictures speak a thousand words, right? So we need to be able to have something that's easily deployable. It's very visual. Um, and then on top of that, not just visual, right? We need to be able to build the business processes into that um, um, process. So if if something's gone wrong, we actually want the platform, okay? And now, you know, people get nervous because it's minority report and all that type of stuff. But we want the platform to re- restore, continuously work to retort, restore to a state of normal. Okay. okay. So essentially where we're moving with this is, is our Raptor and, and uh, uh, the software platform that we've built really enables businesses to rapidly enable their digital strategies. So there's a lot of guys out there that from a consulting perspective, and we work with some of the really big guys out there who have got amazing plans and strategies to enable businesses to move into this next era, right? Okay. But part of that is being able to get this information, this data, get it on a real-time basis, and then push it into whatever algorithmic models exist, very sophisticated sort of um, cloud-based applications that can then help us to, to respond better, to operate better, okay, into our environment. But again, the key to all of that, you need to get it connected. And if you think about it, if you're in an environment, let's take this building. 
If you had to go and speak to every single vendor that sold you a light or an aircon or a door switch, et cetera, et cetera, if you have to go and negotiate with each of those to integrate it into something, it really takes – it's arduous. You can do it. Yeah. But by the time you've done it, you've most probably sort of uh, lost the value, right? Absolutely. So the key to this is is to find technology partners that can rapidly enable you to connect into all of this, protect your existing uh, uh, investment, but more importantly, future-proof you. So in other words, put you into a position that, you know, and how many times haven't we seen this where you actually buy into a technology and you stuck with it? You actually, if you want to move outside of the boundaries of what that technology stack can do for you, it becomes extremely difficult. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, sensor technology at the moment um, has made a joke of Moore's Law. I mean, Moore's Law was, you know, microprocessors, so um, CPUs in computers every two years would, you know, double in capacity and half in price. We're seeing sensor technology every three months tripling in functionality and halving in price, you know, so… And and are we pioneering sufficiently um, in South Africa on the continent in in this regard? So I think um, you know I think there's a huge awareness in, in business here locally, uh, but again you know I think you know there's a lot of constraint. Um, I think it's around governance. I think it's about leadership. You know, so I mean that talks to a whole lot of other things. Yes. But but we do have. I mean we've got amazing business people in this country who have got a huge amount of vision. So we actually see. A lot of our major business leaders on big drives around digitization and moving their businesses. And, and to be very honest with you, 18 months, the, the co- type of conversation that we were having 18 months ago versus the conversation that we're having today uh-huh. is radically different. I mean, 18 months ago, we were sort of explaining the concept. We're 18 months down the line. We're now talking, how do we implement? Where do we go first? You know, so there's been a massive shift Um in, in local business. Yes. And if we were to move away from enterprise businesses and say maybe for your more small to medium um, organizations, um, what are the implications in that space? Well, I think, I, I think the same um, uh, applies, right? So, again, it's not just the large guys that need to change the way that they do business. I mean, we've done a, a, a manufacturing well, – sorry, a, meat, a food processing, meat processing plant out in Cullinan. Okay. Very interesting. And, I mean, they, they've got a great business. They're not a multinational – you know, they've, they've, they've just got an operation, that highly efficient operation. And, um, and, again, you know, you see people bringing the value chain together. So normally you have a feedlot, then you have an abattoir, and then you have a, a meat processing plant. These okay. guys are doing it all in one. Um, and as a result of, of being able to do that, you know, they obviously more competitive, they're yes. keeping more of the margin. Um, and, and I think that for me is, is really where business will move is let's add more value. And the fact that we can bring technology, use technology to bring all of this together, um, you know, that, that gives us a massively uh, competitive advantage. Absolutely. And it's interesting you mention, um, the the farming type you know example because I, I read a, a case study a year maybe eighteen months ago two years ago on um, sensor technology in farming yes and how they've been able to significantly increase yield per you know um, yeah. square meter just by better understanding of soil conditions and the climate so all sorts of things operating you know together um, are you seeing that that's a that's an area that could possibly help us I mean we know 
food shortages become a challenge on the continent, yeah. but also just being competitive in terms of farming commodities as well. Look, let me tell you, this agricultural sector, there's so much benefit that can come from these technologies. You talk about aeroponics. So you've heard of hydroponics. Yes. You now hear of aeroponics. Now, aeroponics, to grow the same crop, will require 95% less water. 95% less, less water. water to create the same product. H- how? So really it's like a, a very a very focused uh, application of fine mist, which is water, right? Yes. Um, and just giving enough to the plant um, and, and in an artificial environment, right? So not in, you know, because you know, the, uh, the, the roots are actually exposed. So you're actually spraying this enriched mist uh, uh, across the plant and as a result of that you know you you're getting this growth but it's it's new technology but but the point being imagine so so you say there's a food shortage i mean our bigger risk is water water yes so if we if we think of an environment where we could potentially i mean this thing it goes you know there's a whole lot of other things i read an article about autonomous vehicles for instance so autonomous vehicles will you know have a whole lot of knock-on effects uh, one of them being that there's, you know, potentially could be, let's say, 90% less vehicles on the road, right? Because it's all going to be ride sharing. So what does that do to parking lots? And how do you transform those parking lots into potential parks and areas where you can actually grow fresh produce with this type of technology? Um, the, the desalination plants, for instance, um, the cost of power required for desalination is down to like 20 25 cents, I think, per cube for a cube of water. Sure. And um, so we don't have a shortage necessarily of water. We have a shortage of drinking water. But the problem with the desalination plants was historically just the power and the energy that was required and the cost to do that really made it very, very um, uneconomical. But we see with solar and renewables, we see that whole um, environment changing. Yes. So for the same reason, I think we see within uh, agriculture – Agriculture now becomes precision farming. So in the old days, huge tracts of land. Yes. You know, you put the tractors in, you plow the place, uh, and then you plant, and then you hope for rain. Um, We're seeing farmers now on 10% of the land producing more than what they produced previously. And is that driven by this fourth industrial revolution? Absolutely. So it's being able to understand moisture content, being able to aerially you know, from an aerial sort of drone perspective, understand what is actually happening. So, I mean, you've got a big track, two, three hundred acres or hectares of, of maize. How do you actually monitor that maize without, you know, having to actually drive through inside? You actually can't see it. So now with um, spectral sort of uh, technologies, we can see how the distribution of the crop looks um identify fungus or bacteria or that type of stuff that could affect negatively affect the crop yes understand that earlier treat it proactively uh, in terms of irrigation if we're irrigating making sure that we're not over irrigating or under irrigating and using technology to give us all that information so from what i'm understanding effectively is to say that iot is about bringing a greater level of awareness into Smaller bits of what's happening along a value chain within a business, yeah, and bringing that to the fore, then you use that, I guess, to drive different types of decisions. Yeah, you see, so when you say those little blocks, of, I see where you want to go with blockchain, but that's another discussion. Yeah. We'll need another hour. <laughs> but, but um, you're quite right. So it talks about situational awareness. Okay. Right. So if I have better visibility and awareness of what is happening in my environment, and I have the ability to influence that. 
to become to, to keep it more in line with my objective. Yes. Taking into consideration all these external sort of in, uh, uh, factors, you know, then you know I'm winning the race. Then if I'm being uh, and I and I guess then it naturally then flows into a consumer environment because we run our lives, you know. So then all these connected exactly things in our lives would follow a similar model. Well, um, certainly, I think um, you know we see in manufacturing, for instance, the advent of 3D printing. I mean, that is changing the way we're going to service customers. So currently we order stuff, we wait for it, you know, first it needs to be manufactured, then it gets put into a container, onto a vessel, and, you know, you know, 10 weeks later, the, uh, or maybe even, you know, longer than that, the uh, retailers have it on this side. So we're seeing in, in China, for instance, that, uh, you know, shoes, for instance, you scan your foot and you, you know, choose the material that you want it to be done and they print you a shoe. Today. Today. Yeah, so so unbelievable. I mean, I was in China uh, two weeks ago. In fact, in Hong Kong, uh, you know, the the stuff that the guys are doing with three D printing is it's going to change the way supply chain will change. How Absolutely. we how we stock up for spares. I mean, the space station, for instance, we don't have to send spares there anymore. They just print them. You know, um, the part that they actually require. Yeah. So the power of that and this distributed line of dist- uh, manufacturing, um, and what doesn't that mean? I come up with a great design. I don't have to go and find a massive production line in China to, you know, um, do this for me. I need to go and find 3D printers all across the globe. And my customers can, through that process, you know, they can receive uh, delivery and manufacture in those, you know, specific geographies. Mm. So that changes the way that supply chain works, logistics, shipping. I mean, yeah. it's massive. It's but, but, but here's the thing, though. If, if I speak to um, a business leader or, or someone who, who's kind of going about um, the work that they do, uh, I'll probably get the feedback that says, that's all great. I hear about all this stuff. You know, every other conference talks about you know Industry 4.0 or IoT or digital. Um, but I still have to run my business today. Yeah, I still have to do, you know, there's still ships on water. Mm. There's still containers at the port. Um, and that is the reality, right? Yes. So is is it correct to look at it that way? Is there a missed opportunity there? What is the adoption like of these technologies? Okay. So I think that's relevant. So, I mean, we talk about it's still your business, only better, right? Okay. So often you hear about, I mean, there's almost this fear when you when you sit at these conferences, like, listen, if you guys don't adopt this technology, you know, you might be out of business. Yeah. You're going to get Ubered. Um, and then when I hear that, I just, you know, I don't really, uh, I have, a, I can't say it on radio. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but the point being, it's not about reinventing yourself. It's about ev- being part of this evolution. So you're right. We have vessels and we have ports, but we need to become smarter. Because we're highly inefficient, and as a result of that, there's a lot of waste in the system. So there's vessels on 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 the ocean moving. It'd be great if we could actually know before the vessel actually left. In fact, if we could have known out of the factory when this garment was actually or this product was actually being manufactured, being loaded real time into a container, see where that container is moving, when it gets onto the vessel, and then also when it docks in the port. Being able to be more predictive and accurate in terms of saying this vessel is going to arrive tomorrow at this time. I mean, you go to a Durban, uh, if you go to a port in South Africa, um, <clears throat> let's not say which one, but you know, there's thousands of vehicles sometimes queuing up outside, waiting for containers, right? And and I don't know, you know, anyone who's in this um, 
business of distribution, it's a huge challenge because yeah. we, it has to clear and all of this type of stuff. So if we can use technology where we can understand where this container is, we can become more accurate, almost an Uber system where we can say at 11.30 tomorrow, your container will be at bay 22 ready for your vehicle. And when your vehicle actually arrives at the port that we don't have to go through 17 potential boom gates to get clearance that it can actually just drive and go and pick up. Yeah. And I do know there is a project that, um, that Transnet is working on in that regard to, um, I guess to turn it, you know, turn our ports into smart ports. Yes. Um, we're, and, we're, uh, yeah. Um, and, 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 and the reason I, I mentioned that is, is to say, what I understand by it is that there's a lot of stakeholders that you need to bring into the system. Yes. You know, and, and that's kind of where we started off with the conversation, how the business came about was yes. the fact that there were so many different varying stakeholders, all with yeah. their own protocols or systems or processes. Yeah, and, and I guess that's where the need for some form of a platform then uh, becomes a lot clearer when it's like you've got to bring all these stakeholders together so that's they can interact some way or somehow. Exactly. So, so just to go back to your question. The business leader of today needs to embrace, first of all, acknowledge that we're moving into a new era. Acknowledge that this system will change. Maybe not in your time as a leader, maybe in the next 10 to 15 years. Okay. But, the re- but the reality is there's, the change is happening, so embrace the change. And then more importantly, don't try and reinvent what your business is doing, but you know, become more efficient and use these technologies to get more visibility. Because ultimately, what do we need to do? We need to service our customer better. Uh, at a very competitive rate because the next guy around the corner is actually, you know, doing it uh, better, cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so to get back to the, um, the, the analogy around the ports, exactly. One of your biggest issues in all of these environments, you've just touched on it, is you've got all this stuff in your port. From vessels to cranes to straddle carriers to haulers, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. How do we get these things to communicate? Uh, you need Raptor. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, and, and I'm going to challenge you differently to my other guests, um, the conversation around jobs, um, because invariably it, it, it gets to that, right? The more we automate, digitize, rationalize, build in efficiencies, it does mean less people in the process. And uh, the answer I normally get, that's why I'm saying I'm going to challenge you differently today, mm. is that um, we need to scale up people into doing other stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, it's all good and well in a boardroom. If you get mm-hmm. what I mean, or, yeah. or, or like we're having a conversation here, but I get the sense that you work in the real world. You work on yeah. the ground within, within the mining industries, you know, yes. how are they preparing for this change? How are they equipping people differently or, or are they not? I mean, what's happening? Okay. So, I mean, I'm with the first thing I want to say, and I don't know how important that is, but me personally, as a South African, I'm very passionate about the country. I'm very passionate about the people. I think we have amazing people. Fantastic. Yeah. Really. And, I, and, and I'm not one of the guys. I'll be, you know, I, I'm not leaving this country. And I believe that. Great. And I believe this. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, we, listen, you know, where do you want to go live? I mean, this place is amazing, yeah. right? Uh, we've got our, our challenges, but we'll get through them, right? Yeah. But we've got amazing people. So I often get the question, first of all, do you, you know, where do you find skills? Let me tell you, we have more than enough skills. Okay, at a technology perspective, we just, as government and business, need to figure out how we make it attractive to prevent people from going to greener pastures. Okay, that's the first thing. Then, if we look at the workforce, for me, very important is that this technology does not talk to replacing jobs. Okay, 
this technology not needs to talk to an augmented employee. Okay. That's what I see. So I see for us an augmented. We have a lot of unskilled labor. What what this technology because it's so visual, and everyone. I mean, it's amazing. I was um, I was out in the bush the other day, and I had a guide who was uh, walking with me, and he, he was on his smartphone. You know, in the middle of nowhere, sure. it sort of stole the moment. I said to him, listen, <laughs> do me a favor, just put it away. But, but, but the reality is, you know, um, everyone knows how to navigate and it's WhatsApp and all this type of stuff. So, so we have, um, an opportunity using this technology to create an augmented employee. Now, what does that mean? That yeah. means an employee that looking at pictures and looking at, um, commands being pushed down to them can start making decisions, right? Okay. And um, what does that do? That means that we actually lift people's skill level. People become more productive. I mean, one of the biggest challenges that we have, I mean, if you look at our textile industry, if you look at manufacturing, you look at mining, part of our problems with these industries in decline and having to close down is because they actually have become uncompetitive. Okay. So if we can utilize the same workforce but enable them to be more productive and more efficient. Then and we hence, can, then we can compete. Then we can compete. And then we can stay in business and we don't have to lose the jobs. Is it that simple? I think it's that simple. I honestly think that is, it is that simple. I think we try and over, look, I mean, it's, I don't think it's the only solution, right? Yes. There's a whole lot of other stuff, but I really think that if you, if you look at this landscape that we're in currently and we really, um, embrace it, I honestly think that that we have that opportunity. I mean, to give you an idea, guys are saying to me, um, where do you find development resources? So, I mean, I've gone to, um, we, we're working with uh, uh, Microsoft now in terms of putting together a, an app factory. And really what, what that speaks to is like an internship. Now, yes. Microsoft are very keen to partner. And, and what we're going to be doing is we're going to take a whole lot of postgraduates, um, put them into this internship program, but not just learn, teach them sort of fluffy stuff. Like really get them into our offices. We've got a whole um, space that we've allocated for them where these guys will go through the internship program with Microsoft, but we'll get real live sort of mentorship from people on the ground developing solutions in our building for our customers. So really giving – so again, I think – that fast tracks that. I mean, we, we've been going to some of these tertiary institutions and the, the, the quality of applicants and we've been overwhelmed. So, I mean, you know, on Friday or Thursday, I don't know when it was last week, we went to one of the guys, um, and there were about a hundred guys in, in the, uh, in the session, they third year postgrad or grads, um, on BSc computer science and they need to almost do a year, you know, they need to do another year. So, so a number of companies are pitching to them. And I mean, these people are great. You so know? the potential is there. The yeah. potential is there. We need to figure out how we stimulate growth in this country and how we retain those people. Absolutely. Um, tell me, how did you, so your career, I mean, you come from a technology background or what's to get to the point where you founded, um, IOT.next. Yeah. So, what had you done previously? So, um, I was involved in a 1996. You asked me earlier where did I come from. So yes. um, I moved to Joburg in 96. Um, and before that, I lived in a small little town south of Joburg called Blimfontein. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and really, we uh, it was right at that time where cash registers. Um, so I was a very bad student. I studied law. Um, but I wasn't really excited about the uh, prospects uh-huh. um, that it held for me at that stage. And I mean, um, uh, so, so, 
so at that point I got involved in a business um, that was really almost niche and and the guys had been selling cash registers for the last 20 years and they were sort of building a, a computer back office type system that could link to these cash, cash registers. registers. Um, and really that's, we then ended up, you know, converting that whole thing, um, built up quite a nice business over a four year period and then sold it to a company called, uh, uh, well, a JSC listed company at that stage. They're now part of, um, BCX and, um, the UCS. Yeah. UCS. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so very much retail focused. Um, but we were quite niche in, in terms of the stuff that we did. And, uh, Albertus and Terry, my current partners. Okay. Uh, you know, we were in that business together since 96. And, um, so then we kind of did our own thing. Uh, from we, we were with the group until about 2006. I think they were a bit longer than me. Uh, and then we kind of did different stuff. Uh, I got involved in hardware distribution for my sins, <laughs> with all due respect. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's another, it's you know, that's, business. You know, it's a tough business. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the, the guys that I was with, um, they understood the technology or they understood the world of distribution. So I mean, I learned, um, uh, quite a lot of stuff, uh, there was quite interesting, mm. uh, slightly frustrating some days because corporate, you know, at heart, I'm an entrepreneur. So, uh, yeah, so since 96, really been involved in, in IT. Okay. And and the reason I asked the question is because I wanted to bring it back to IoT.next. And, I mean, I understand how the business came about, but, you know, business is driven by passion and all these other things as well or, or interest. Um, I mean, is this an area that you've grown to become passionate about now that you're in it? Or is it something that um, you've always felt there was something there? Yeah, so let me let me say this. Um, it's not like I lay at, at night, um, you know, thinking about how we could change the world. It literally, I, I'd say where the lights really came on for me was when we were in, involved in that initial project. Okay. And I just realized the value, first of all. So we, you know, we did a very bespoke sort of development, but I could see the value of having these different subsystems being able to communicate with one another. Yes. So, so I saw there, I saw, Oh, hang on, you know, here's something. Um, and obviously in that process and difficulty of getting them to talk to one another, you know, we then sat down many evenings. Um, I don't know if there was beer in, or wine involved, most probably not. Um, <laughs> and, and just, talked about the possibilities and really it's we live in this world of the art of the possible and we like to try and do the impossible so um it's a it's a fantastic time at the moment it's just unbelievable how the technology is moving it's yeah great. and and where's the industry that you are where's this industry going so the work that you do the platform that you've built um i want to understand from two aspects your business in terms of where it's going but in the context of how the industry is moving Okay, so, you know, often people ask me which industry will be affected most. And my answer is simple, all. Each and every industry is being affected um, in a positive manner. Yes. Uh, and and um, th there literally is not an industry. And us as consumers, we being affected because, you know, the more the smart our phones become, you know, the more intelligent, you know, we're going to be able to respond and react to, to these industries. So So I think from health to automotive to mining to manufacturing i mean there's literally not an industry that i can't give you multiple case studies and use cases where this technology and this phenomenon this era that we're moving into is fundamentally changing how the guys actually run their businesses okay um so i'm very excited i think um you know it's uh 
it's early days uh, in certain areas. I mean, for us as a business, I think the key is to continue what we're doing. I mean, we, we received a Series B funding from our partners. Um, it was at the end of last year. So, um, And we're really focusing on creating more jobs, more uh, development capabilities within the South African context. Okay. Uh, but we also, what we're doing is, uh, you know, we've opened up in the UK, we've opened up in the Hague um, on an immersion program um, that will hopefully see us uh, moving into the US. Okay. Um, I was in Hong Kong last week, so there's a massive opportunity for us to set up uh, a joint uh, uh, business with uh, a Chinese counterpart. So um, we're really looking uh, more at a global scale at this point. Okay. And and what's that what's enabling that that ability to scale? Is it because you've built a platform? Is it the people in the business? So I mean first of all I'm passionate about people. I don't believe any business um operates I think the best businesses employ the best people. End of story. And you need to look after your people. So I mean people for me are fundamental. They need the nucleus to everything and that's the one thing that I I've learned a couple of things around business, but the one thing that I'm really passionate about is is really, you know, finding the right people. Um, so I think that's the, the one focus, but I, uh, and it'll continue to be that because we want to create more opportunities. And if you look at Silicon Valley, huge amounts of the development that's taking place of those companies aren't actually happening in the U.S., okay, because they're just not that competitive. So you see a lot of emerging and third-world countries um, being able to do it better at half the price. I think South Africa's got a massive opportunity in terms of that. We see the guys in, in Cape Town, Silicon Cape, you know, getting those initiatives. So it's it's fantastic from that point of view. Yeah. And uh, answering that or telling you that whole story, and I've forgotten your question. What was that? <laughs> no, I mean, the, the question was around, um, or oh, I mean, I started off by asking earlier about where the industry, your industry is going, yeah. where it's going to land up. And then also, how have you been able to make sure that your business can scale? So yeah. is it okay, because of, is it scaling because of the people or is it scaling because you've built a technology platform? Yeah. So the key for us from the beginning was build technology to scale. It needs to have the ability to scale. Okay. So that's really where we're at. So it's really being – we don't have to go and set up branches and offices all over the world with a huge amount of technical people. We're an innovation and development hub, and we're looking for – partners who can actually take it to, to market. So the consultants, the implementation guys, that's really where we're partnering and that's how we're scaling. And we've built this technology so that, I mean, I can literally sit in a control room in New York and control an underground drilling machine in, you know, somewhere in South Africa or in Africa. And I can be calibrating that anywhere. You know, and with the advent of uh, and the developments that we're seeing, and we've got a big project now around um, virtual reality and cognitive analytics, um, but being able to combine that and and aug augmented reality. Okay. You know, a control room is anywhere. You know, it can be your study. You okay. Know. So what I've just and this is something we, we didn't get into, but what I've understood from this last comment is that it's not just about sensing, but it's also about operating. Hundred percent. That's another because we didn't really touch on that dimension in terms of yeah. uh, what where this IoT world goes. So it's not just about getting the data and bringing it in. It's then about acting on it as well. Quite right. So I'm happy you brought that up because that really is the key, right, is that we can sense it. So, I mean, we've been sensing data and data points for a long time. Uh, the key now is to actually get this interoperability and being able to talk back into the system. 
Okay. So I'm getting a, an instruction or I'm getting a signal from something telling me X. Now I need to perform Y to make it happen, right? There's a business rule that says when this truck arrives at a conveyor belt, you know, move. Um, now, as a result of that, you know, you become very intelligent in terms of how you can manage that. And mm. that's exactly what it is. So we talk, to, talk about connected or uh, silos of digitization. All right, so there's this really great application that does a function. Okay. All right, so so that for us, the the unlock of real business value is taking all of those islands of digitization and horizontally integrating them, so okay. that they can become more intelligent. And and as we, as we conclude, then just so that it's absolutely clear, can you then maybe just clearly s- define where automation that we understand you take something automated, make it operate on its own or in an automatic function and where IOT plays because it can be a bit of a gray area or confusing but I want it to be so that you know um, as part of this journey and this understanding and learning that we understand fully how the two worlds are quite different and why one presents far a very different future to what we used to perhaps yeah so so automation you know shifted the industry so process automation and specific areas of automation, being able to automate a process within your business brought a whole lot of value. And I think it, it got to a point. We're now evolving past that, right? Where we now seeing multiple, we're seeing automation throughout the business. Okay. So not just around a specific area again. So, so we see automation take, oh, no, not automation. Actually, we see a connected environment that's able to send information into the cloud or even at the edge, and on that principle being able to make decisions. And that decision, if it's affecting something up and downstream, being able to communicate that up and downstream. So often we see something's going wrong. So think about it. Something goes wrong in, in a factory floor. Yes. Um, but we're still sending raw material. You know, the, the rest of the factory continues to operate. But okay. we have what is the net effect of that plant going down? And how do we respond very quickly and recalibrate? Okay. So I guess the, the, the idea here is that it's a higher level of engagement that happens. It's, you know, automation yes. is like a machine. It does something yes. re- well and repeatedly. Yes. I think once we get into the IoT space, it's with all the sensors, all this data and information, a greater level of decision making can happen in the system without necessarily all of the human interventions being required. Spot on. So we talk about non-discretional decision making. Okay. And as more, the more data we get, the more intelligent the system becomes because it's got more data. And we see that. I mean, Watson and all of these things are being able to do what they do. So, so these tools have specifically been built. So learning from the data and as a result of that, you know, from that information, being able to make decisions and the system. Making the decision, yeah. right? So, Nico, you you taking your business globally, um, and, and you've built it up, you know, in a relatively short period of time. But obviously, you've got a lot of history. Um, what's your vision for for our country and for our continent? So, so I mean, I I'm an eternal optimist, and I really am very very uh, optimistic about our country. I think we are, and our continent. Uh, I think there's a massive opportunity. I think um, you know we we 
often hear the negative stuff that's taking place in the country. Uh, we seldomly understand the positive stuff that's taking place. We don't talk about it enough. Yeah. And I mean, I, I talk about integration and I just look at my kids and I see where they are at and I think about where I was at. And, and I'm very, very excited in terms of the path that we're actually on. So I think there's a great future. I think we've got a, an amazing workforce that just needs to be educated and unlocked. And um, we, we need to use technology uh, to do that. And I think, you know, technology certainly is at the forefront. We need some strong leadership. Um, but I think you combine all of that stuff. We've got the makings. We're the breadbasket of the world. We've got untapped resources throughout mm. Africa. Yeah, we do. You know, so we need to enable people with technology to be able to really optimize this opportunity. So I'm hugely optimistic. I believe we've got a great future ahead. And so then how would you define disruption? So um, I think disruption is, and like I say, our slogan says it's still your business, only better. I think disruption is making small changes in what you're currently doing, but having an exponential effect. Okay. So uh, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, but because we're making this tweak, all of a sudden we have, we have this exponential value. And whether that's qualitative or quantitative, but we have the ability to unlock it through this technology. So it's that exponential factor. That's it. That's, that's the difference, that's right? The X factor, right? The X factor, yeah. <laughs> Nico, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for being an ever optimist. I think, um, you know, the more optimistic people we do, we can make the impossible possible, you know. Um, Nico Stein, founder, um, CEO of IoT.next, um, which is pioneered the Raptor platform. We look forward to hearing more about um, your endeavors um, throughout the world. Thank you for joining us today on Disrupt with Mpumi um, with another um, groundbreaking disruptor who's spoken to us about um, you know the IoT world and what's happening there and how it impacts all industries and businesses. We look forward to learning from our next guest on the show, Disrupt with Mpumi. Thank you to T-Systems, our sponsors, for making the platform possible. Have a wonderful day. This is CliffCentral.com.